ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão de culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão pela explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim, intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Law Benfica podcast. Episode number 363 is what we're serving up tonight. My name is Alfredo Fumasas. How's everybody doing? Good? Everybody staying safe, hopefully. With me tonight, as always, the two Oliveras. One with the D and one with the without the D. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start we'll start with the one without the D. I got a D too, bro. You got a D? No, you got a, you don't have a D, Oliveira. Not in my name. That's kind of fancy. D. I am a de Grasa. I got a de Grasa in my name. So I guess I, I got a D. Cristiano, how you doing, my friend? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. Been bored, but uh, you know, doing all right. I watched uh, every everything that excites me or that I'm into, I should say, on Netflix and Prime and everything else, like four times. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, brighter days are ahead. We got football this weekend. Bundesliga will be on TV this weekend. So excited! The, the exciting league in Oz, one of the best leagues in the whole wide world. Is upon us. We'll be, uh, you know, be on TV rather soon. So, you know, it is what it is, man. Another night, another podcast. This is the exciting uh, hour of my life currently. So, uh, if, if you had to recommend a show, whether it's uh, Amazon Prime, whether it's Netflix, whether it's Hulu, what show would you recommend to our listeners? Um, anything CIA related. That is my, you got me. CIA, I'm hooked. Anything CIA. So, I mean, you know, Homeland last season, uh, the, the very last episode of the last season was uh, what two weeks ago now or something like that. A week ago, two weeks ago, that 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 ended the nine seasons, I believe. Um, it was great first couple seasons and boring. They got to be good again. So, if you're into that type of stuff, there's also the stuff on uh, Prime. I forget the name of it. I don't even do that. Ryan. Yeah, Jack. There. Thanks. I'm afraid. That's great. So anything CIA, man. That 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 really has me hooked. So, uh, Google it. Check it out. Um, it, there's plenty, plenty of CIA stuff. Declassified the new stuff on it's it's pretty dope. So I, I love those stories that the, because there's a lot of reality behind it, and I love stuff like that. It intrigues me very much. I couldn't. I, I'm I'm fascinated, Alfredo. You and I talk about this off the air a lot. I'm fascinated by things that I can't do, by things that I I I, I know very little about, right? And the CIA is a whole different world, right? You have to drop your life on. on like that, like on a snap of a finger, you leave your wife and kids and you're living in another continent for five, six years, acting as another person. Like, I, shh, bro, I couldn't. I mean, I need comfort of my home. You know me, I'm a little, little bit sexual. I need my, my comfy. You know what I mean? I need my, my comfortable underwear. I need my slippers. All of a sudden, now you're sleeping on dirt roads and you're these different types. Ah, chill. Bro. I could, I got mad respect from CIA people. So, um, the other thing is that also, I think that your, 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 your presence, or even if I, if I may even go as far as saying your aura as a person, as an individual, I don't think you could go unnoticed on the street. Yeah. Yeah, imagine me walking into a bar in whatever country, say the country, say the continent, there's a Benfica Porto game over there, and there's a penalty from eight feet outside the box, and I got to sit there and stay quiet. Imagine me just playing like, I don't even follow soccer. 
Sock? What is that? <laughs> Sock is for wimps. Uh, no, you know what I mean? Crazy. I, nah, you'd know right away. Like, can't trick me. But yeah, you're right off radar. I wouldn't yeah. tone it down. Somebody that's a little bit more under the radar is Dave DeOlivera. What's happening, Dave? How you been? Yeah. I've been working for the CIA uh, while we're in quarantine here. But I uh, know we're doing good here. Uh, I know we were saying, uh, I think we're just getting through the uh, peak up here. So good to be back on. Uh, Chris is watching all the new shows. I'm watching all the uh, the old shows. I'm watching uh, Sopranos, The Ooh. Wire. Ooh. Got, um Game of Thrones finished up, so I'm watching all the classics. Yeah, I watch, watching I watch all that. Dave, I watched all that with the exception of The Wire. One of my good friends, Sporting East Alfredo, knew you, you know he is, uh, John Joao. He uh, gave me the whole collection for Christmas a few years ago, and I got started watching it one day. I said, you know what, John, I'm going to check this out and watch maybe one or two episodes. It was too slow. And everybody's like, Chris, it picks up. I'm like, I just I don't have patience. So, you know, Alfredo, you know how I am. I need a instant action. So it was a little too slow. They swore to me it would get better. But I just never had the, the itch to, to, to insert the DVD and watch it again. And I know now you don't even need the DVD. But, you know, um, I just haven't gone back to it. So, I, you know, heard a lot of great things about it. But not for me. Dave, what's, uh, what's the equivalent of uh, the CIA in Canada? Oof. The the RCMP maybe the Royal Can the Mounties maybe no. I don't know they arrive on horses we <laughs> <laughs> all helmets see I, I don't think there's in a there's obviously one but I it's not coming up to off the top of my brain right now Canada just uses the, the United States CIA is cheaper for <laughs> David so secretive so secretive you don't even know we don't even know no it's it's the CSIS the no. Canadian Security Intelligence Services there you go the Canadian CIA believe it or not and I watched this show I watched maybe like first 20 minutes and I turn it off but on on Netflix is an interesting there's an interesting uh, uh series and Dave you should know about this because come on every Canadian The CIA is, you know, the CIA in the United States, they're like into foreign intelligence. Over there, it's about the maple syrup, bro. That is the biggest. It's big a national treasure. It, it is the biggest heist. The big it, the CIA, the, 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 the best Canadian authorities are all investigating and they're all involved into the syrup. We're involved in Afghanistan and terrorism. They're worried about who's going to steal syrup. There was a, a, a 60,000 liter heist of maple syrup yeah. not two look, months, uh, look, a couple of months ago. I read that. Yeah, it was millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of syrup. Who knew? Who knew syrup was so expensive? Liqu liquid gold. Shin, if you think about it and, and how syrup pours out of those trees, right? It's a very slow, arduous process that takes a lot of time. What hip anyway, Imagine a gold container full of maple syrup. Bro, it can't be that bad. I mean, we buy it at ShopRite for like $2. I mean, <laughs> I mean come on. I mean, anybody go there with a little hammer and a thingamajig and... But that's just Aunt Jemima. That's not the real maple syrup. Come on, it's not Canadian, maybe. But Aunt Jemima just tastes just as good on a waffle and a pancake. <laughs> anyway, uh, with all the formalities done and the introductions done and, you know, just relaxing us a little bit. And, and if, you could, if you could imagine... There's not a lot of interaction that either one of us is is having, at least uh, in a relaxed state like we're having now. So we're enjoying talking to ourselves. But we're really here to talk about uh, Portuguese football and specifically Benfica. 
So it was announced today that the league will return on the weekend of June 4th. Uh, June 4th is a Thursday, so they will be they will be playing all the games between June 4th, uh, which is Thursday, and uh, the Sunday. Um, the day before, uh, the National Health Department or the, the Departamento Geral de Saúde or Direção Geral de Saúde in, in Portugal uh, put out a memo um, that said that the league will be allowed to start, but they had some um, some very, very clear and direct um, statements within that document. Uh, and I'll read you one. Um, and it says, by returning to training and competition, the FPF, Liga Portugal clubs and their athletes assume the existing risk of infection as well as consequences to their health and public health. So that that's the statement that they opened up uh, the memo with. And, and if you can imagine, um, yes, we're allowing you to return, but just so you know, anything that happens is going to be your responsibility or you're on your own with this if you want to uh if you want to uh to open up uh, a couple uh, porto players spoke out a couple other players uh spoke out about it apparently there was not apparently but there was a, a meeting today with the fpf uh also the the players union uh, and all the captains from all the teams just to clarify and to to clear some of the questions that uh that some of the players had and some of the teams had that was today. So apparently everything was all set. I'll just uh, go through some more of the points, points that were here. Uh, it says, to minimize the risk, athletes, technical staff, referees should remain home outside of training and the competition uh, schedules until the end of the week. So remain at home unless you're competing in your training. Um, and that's for the remainder, the remainder of the week. Uh, I mean, the season clubs will uh, need to support their athletes, their families to avoid leaving the house with the exception of training and competing uh, home delivery of essentials should be arranged by the club. And they go on to, to state a, a few more more measures. Again, this is the official government uh, agency that's been handling uh, this pandemic in Portugal. And, and as you guys know, and you heard us last week, Portugal is, has been doing a really great job in, in containing, flattening that curve, uh, getting over that peak. Um, so this agency put out a statement, but now we also have uh, the Minister of uh, Youth and, and Sport saying that it's not for sure that the league will be back uh, because Things may change from now until then. Um, Cristiano, obviously, with the Bundesliga, as you mentioned, returning this week uh, and really seeing it's almost like you're standing at the edge of the lake and you don't know how cold the water is. And you can't, there's always that brave guy that steps in and lets everybody know. Uh, will a lot of clubs throughout the world be looking to the Bundesliga to see what kind of examples they can take out of or any lessons they can learn? Without a doubt. And and if these other leagues around the world aren't paying attention, they're stupid. And they should absolutely be paying attention because someone, as you just said, has to test that water out at first to see what's going on. And and I think that the Portuguese league is is one of these leagues that wants to be amongst the big boys and they have a tremendous amount of money to lose. It's it's too much to risk. It's too much at risk to just go ahead and, and not at least test the water, put your feet in there and see what happens. So um, I think it's it's a very complicated situation. I just hope that 
you know, the Bundesliga, the Portuguese league, whomever it may be, that they have all these rules set in stone prior to starting competition because we can't have kind of like, you know, we'll, we'll, dis- we'll make decisions as, as, as we go along. I think that they need these formalities to be on paper. They need these, these, these new rules of the game to, 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 to be uh, pretty much, you know, uh, you know, pretty much jot it down. Let everybody know what's going on. They need to be advertised. They be to, they need to be announced um, because, you know, again, uh, what's it going to take for the competition to keep going? At what point, you know, it, it, at what point will they say too much is, 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 you know, this is enough, too much is too much. Like We can't go forward with this anymore. Uh, you know, at what point, how many players is it going to take to get infected for them to call off the season? I think they need to, 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 to have all these things down. They need to have everything organized. So like that is no surprises for anyone um, as things go along. I, I know it's not a, a, a difficult, I mean, I know it's not an easy decision to go forward, but there's a lot at stake. I mean, it, be the decision by whatever league, you name it, the Serie A, Premier League. And I know all these all these uh, leagues are, are now with the exception of the French League. Everyone's pretty much trying to get 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 back to, 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 to games at some point over the next month, month and a half. Not even a month and a half, but over the next month, right? By the middle of June, these leagues, I know the EPL, uh, Bundesliga, uh, La Liga, these team, these leagues have announced that they'll be back at some point, that they're trying to do everything they can to get back. And look, the decision to go through with these leagues or the decision to cancel these leagues for, for the remaining of the season will be decisions that will be scrutinized by many, many, many people, right? I think you're going to have fans of the decision to go forward on one side, fans of the decision to cancel on the other side. So you're never going to please everybody. But the reality of the situation, and let's keep it to the Portuguese league. And look, just to answer your question directly, yes, I think every league and every team should absolutely be paying attention to the Bundesliga. If they're not, they're stupid. Okay, we clear that. I answered your question. Moving on. I think keeping it now, talking specifically about the Portuguese league, I think it's a very difficult decision for the organization, the people that, you know, the heads of, of, of the leagues, the, the guys making a decision. It's it's a very tough situation because if they don't come back and play these games for the remaining of the season, there is a possibility that a lot of these teams will file bankruptcy. There is a, a huge possibility that, you know, some of the biggest teams in Portugal, right? Everything you hear, obviously, we're not. We're not experts in the financial uh, aspect of the game, Alfredo. We talk about this all the time. When, when these opas and, and topas and, and cocas, when all this comes out, we don't we barely understand what any of this shit means. But the rumor is, right, the word is that Benfica is really the only team that's suited right now at least to withstand an earthquake, right? All the other teams around us will crumble. And that's the, the fine line that the organizers are, 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 are you know juggling with right now. If they don't come back and play these games, there's a possibility these teams are done forever. And if they come back and play these games, there's a possibility that players are going to get infected, right? But here's the thing. I do think that they're going to have better care, right? They're going to have doctors around these guys all the time. They're going to have better care showing up to these games, right? The players, at least we should say, than they're going to do at home. They're going to have tremendous amount of attention on them at all times, 24-7, by team officials and doctors and whoever and whoever else is involved in making these decisions. And again, it's going to take, you know, some tragic, some tragedy to happen in order for these leagues to get called off. Because the reality of it is, 
you know, you're going to go back to playing and you're going to have three, four, five, ten players test positive for this. And, and then there's players that are going to test positive for not even playing this. You know, players just sitting at home, they're going to get that are going to get uh, this, this COVID. You know? So it's a fine line, Alfredo. You're going to yeah. get some. You're not going to get some. But again, I think it's going to be a financial. It's a financial decision, first and foremost, as I say all the time. But it's going to be gradually we need to pick things up because look man the reality of it is that guys are going to test positive for this guys are going to get sick guys are not going to do well but they need to control this and it's going to be up to to the authorities let's see how the organization how organized they are how ready they are to to face these these tough decisions ahead of us but i think there's less and i know look unless you got athletes that are actually losing their lives right with the exception of an athlete, actually an athlete or one of his family members, right? With the exception of someone actually dying from this, I think there's, and I know it's going to sound insensitive, but there's more at risk for them than, than than a player getting sick. Because if a player gets sick and he recovers in 14 days, it is what it is. He's back. But football club Porto disappearing from the face of the map, that's something they can't recover from. Player yeah. recover. Now, the question is, if David Tavares, who tested positive, comes in contact with his teammates, I mean, which he did. We've seen pictures. Doesn't now the rest of the Benfica roster have to be quarantined for 14 days? They well, I think they, they think they have to be tested. Uh, I mean, I think but that two to four, two to 12 days to 14 days to get the symptoms to get that. Well, so, but, but I think that you could, you could, you, your test can come back whether you have symptoms or not. In Dave's uh, case, uh, he was a symptomatic. So that means that he didn't have any symptoms, but when they, the players originally tested, he got tested. And I'm pretty sure that after the players got tested and they were exposed or they were together, even though there was some safe distance being practiced at the Seychelles, I'm sure all the players got tested again to see if anybody had contracted. But you don't need to have symptoms in order to test positive, as you know, Chris. No, I, I, I'm aware of that, but I'm talking about the rest of the team. I was just talking about you yeah. positive and everybody else that's in I thought, see, I don't, again, I'm not an expert with this. You know, I'm not, I, I don't know how this works. You know, that's why I said to you before that these guys are going to have better care because you're going to have doctors around them 24 seven, but those guys are, they're the ones that are going to have to answer these questions more directly. But see, you just answered one. I wasn't aware that, you know, if, if, if I test positive and I've been around you and you could actually get tested the same day, get the results the same day. Now you don't have to quarantine. I, I see, I thought you had to still wait for 14 days to see what was going on, but I guess you're telling me you, that's not the case so then yeah i mean i i think that's yeah it's easier to go forward then i mean then it makes the decision to go ahead and play games a little bit a little bit easier yeah and and dave i'll, I'll ask you this question and you know that this is a question that that's a little bit more um extended if you will or, or it has m m more of a, an implication uh and more an overreaching question um Sport is often looked, and in, in, especially during this time, sport is often looked at society uh, uh, by society as something that is just is just sport. It's not a matter of life or death. But do you feel that when these leagues start, like the Bundesliga starts now, and there's uh, in a way a return to some some kind of normalcy do you think that people will look at the way these leagues are going about keeping themselves safe and then all of a sudden the folks that are at home that 
have a little bit of hesitation in coming out and, and getting back to their lives, do you think that these leaks will serve as an example for them to say, okay, well, if I take the precautions and the, the safety measures, I'm going to be fine because sport is proving it for me? I don't know. I have, I'm torn between this because I, I miss my sports. I think everybody um, can say they miss their sports. But to prioritize sports, and, and we got to look at it this way, sports at the end of the day is entertainment. It's not, like you said, it's not life or death. It's entertainment for, for the mass. And I'm torn that they're prioritizing bringing back these, uh, these leagues when we still see that a lot of people are unemployed, have lost their jobs, haven't returned back to work, but they've got this, they've got this, uh, this pressure to bring back sports and to show the people that it's uh, the beginning of normalcy, uh, returning back to normal, get people's mind off of uh, the pandemic. So I'm really torn because on one end, of course, I want to see sports being returned back. But then on the other end, to to prioritize it over Maria or Joan's uh, bakery opening up and, and putting all these resources back into the game, all these these test kits and all this personal protective equipment that these players are getting, it's a really uh, a bad optics. You can make the case because that they're prioritizing and pushing the league to to start back when they do still have other problems that uh, need to be resolved. First and at the, like I said at the end of the day, sports is just entertainment. So if we're going to try to prioritize uh, entertainment before we can get people back to work, I, I'm I'm kind of torn up torn be uh, between that. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, the rules and and the regulations that are being put forth by uh, a lot of these leagues, by a lot of the health departments in these countries. Um, could also be looked at as an example as a Maria and Juan Bakery looking and saying, well, I know that if I do this uh, and if I follow these measures, it will be it'll probably be beneficial and it will probably work in me getting my business open. So I do, can they, can they, do they have the resources and can they afford? Well, that's that, the other right? question. Not even, and, and, not even that. The, the, the biggest issue, forget the resources and forget the. Everything. The biggest issue will be, and I mentioned this on the last podcast, if you guys recall, which, look, I'm a huge fan and I'm ecstatic that it's coming back. But again, there's people that are going to said that I mentioned this. There's people that's gonna have, that are going to have problems with this. Why should Cristiano Ronaldo be allowed unlimited amount of tests, right? As a Portuguese citizen and myself as a Portuguese citizen, I can't even get one. So I think that's the biggest issue will be in the Maria and the Manel Bakery is that, you know, that whomever, you know, Cristiano Richard. Ronaldo can get tested 50,000 times if he has to in a single week. But yeah, I can't get tested once. There's not enough tests, but they're prioritizing these tests. First come, first serve. No, it's athletes, celebrities. They're going to get the first. And so I think that's the biggest problem, Dave. It's not the resource. It's the, I got, it is resource to get the test, but that's not resources. That's up to the medical staff. That's up to, to the ability by the professionals of your city to give you those resources. It's not even it's not it's not on you, because I think if any one of us had the opportunity or the ability to get tested five times a day, we would. But we wouldn't even get tested once a month. We, we don't have that ability where athletes will be tested daily, 
multiple times if they have yeah. that i think going to be the biggest issue to speak to the regular citizen the the non-sports guy it's going to be much tougher to sell him on that idea than it is us per se because we we absolutely adore sports and we know that it's look it's like we afraid of your, your your reference before regarding the water is perfect right somebody's gonna have to test out the water somebody's gonna have to go in them that you know step in and, and, and dive at first and see what's going on but that's going to be the toughest part that they're going to have to sell. Now, the positive thing is they can spin it in and say, look, we can use these athletes as test cows, basically. You know, like Dave said, uh, pay attention to what they do. Pay attention to social distancing. Pay attention to the way that they treat uh, their staff. And then maybe we could implement some of that into the Maria Manel Bakery. Uh, and, and we just have to follow those same protocols. And maybe now we're all clear of this and we're not clear, but it'll be manageable for all of us to get back to our daily routine. Yeah. And 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 you guys brought up a great point in terms of testing. One of the, the, the bullet points within that memo from the DGS uh, was that players uh, will be players in, in, in technical staff. Right. They will be submitted to two bi-weekly tests uh right so the mandated right one 48 hours before the game and another one as close to game time as possible uh so you can imagine i mean you have uh 10 10 games left to go 20 tests per game times the size of the team and size of the staff so you can imagine the resources in terms of testing, how many are going to be given to these teams? And you're right, the 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 common folk and and the the majority of population perhaps doesn't have the access that these clubs and these athletes have to in terms of testing. And one one part of of, of recuperating, flattening the curve, and remaining on a on a down uh, on a down from in terms of the COVID is. Testing, right? Testing enters a third phase of this whole thing is that you got to test people constantly to make sure that you're maintaining um, the, the pandemic or that you're, you have it controlled or, or that uh, it's not, uh, it's not uh, going further than what you expected. And for the population not to have the same access to tests as these teams are, certainly there's a moral issue uh, in that. But then again, uh, as Cristiano mentioned, money drives a lot. And I have a question regarding that, right? You said that they're going to get tested twice, bi-weekly or per week, whatever. Once 48 hours prior to the first game. Okay, that's understandable. No, prior to every game. Okay. Oh, but you say, okay, prior to every game. And then you 48 hours before the game and then one as okay, close I don't have to game time. 48 hours before the game because that one I know that you could, you could return. But now I wasn't aware that you can have – the results within instance. So when you said, right, they're going to be tested as close to game time as possible. I, again, excuse and I apologize for my ignorance, but Dave, I'm not aware. I, I wasn't aware that there's like there's a way to get a test result back immediately right now. Is there a way? I wasn't aware of that. To I me, I thought it, I thought it took 48 hours to get the results. So maybe the one they're using the ones from the 48 hours. To they'll go by that result to see if they're eligible to play, and then the results about the one that they take right before game that'll come after the fact. But I don't know what the point of that is because that's not going to save the yeah, player from yeah, exactly. they've already played. That's why yeah. I was asking, like, what if you can't get me to test? I know, Dave, I'm pretty sure that now you can get a test result back within 24, 24 hours now, right? 
Uh, but I, you know, like 48, 24, obviously the longer obviously you get. But I was aware that you get it. So that's why when Alfredo said it's yeah. game time as possible, what, what, it's irrelevant. Like as long well, as- I mean, I mean it, as close to game time as possible, it could also be that they're working back in terms of when they'll have the results. So maybe the results will be as close to game pos- to game time as uh, as possible. Uh, so maybe they're having a test done 24 hours because they know it takes 24 hours. And maybe game time, they take the test 24 hours before game time. So by game time, they will know. That's that's the, what I'm thinking. But from what I read, 48 hours before game and then one as close to game time uh, as it permits. That's what I read. Uh, but you're right. I'm not aware of one that's uh, an instantaneous test where you drop a couple of things and and you get a plus or a minus on a little stick and you know what's going on. Like a pregnancy test, you pee. Yeah, up. exactly, exactly. But and then you can you also run into false positives and false negatives as that's well. That's absolutely so the, the, right. That the test kit isn't 100. Like there's so many variables to this these uh, these points here that they're trying to make, but like there's no foolproof system. No, it's, uh, you're absolutely right. So, uh, yeah, like, as Cristiano mentioned, Dave Tavares was uh, the the Benfica player that was uh, that tested positive. He was asymptomatic at the time. Um, if you recall, Dave Tavares, and I'm not saying that this is related, he was the player that was caught driving at night without a license while the stay-at-home order had already been put in place by the prime minister. Um not sure if it has anything to do with it. Certainly. The government injected him with it for driving without a license, Alfred. Let's start the conspiracy here. <laughs> Drive without a license, they're going to insert you with COVID. Yeah, and, and at the time, I mean, there was a lot of questions in terms of, you know, what kind of what kind of brain cells do you have available to you? Because not only is the country um, shut down, right, Uh there's going to cop, be cops policing, policing the streets, seeing who's out in the street. And you, without a license, get in the car and you're traveling. So not only are you breaking the curfew, but you're also getting in a car without a license. So at the time, I kind of questioned uh, some of his logic. Uh, but certainly, I don't know if it's related to this or not. But maybe certainly the police would be home, too. They, you know, maybe they have to be... <laughs> That you have to be unlocked on as well. You know, the guy, come on, give the guy a break. Yeah. You know, I can't drive without a license. The cops are isolating themselves. Here I go. High yeah. time, baby. So uh, from what I read, he is, uh, is at the Seychelles, isolated. He's got one whole floor. Uh, I mean, if you guys could picture that that main Seychelles building, uh, there's a bunch of floors with a bunch of rooms. Uh, he's got one floor all to himself. Uh, very limited contact with people, obviously, just the people that come in and give him his meals and take care of him, give him clothes. Uh, but other than that, that's where he stayed. Apparently, they set him up with a room with a view to one of the fields so he could see what the team is doing. It's, it's brilliant. They think of everything. <laughs> I mean, that's the least they could do. They give him a whole floor. I mean, the guy can pick whatever room he wanted. I mean, let's be fair. <laughs> uh, right. Um so, and Benfica announced the name of the player uh, because they felt uh, for transparency's sake they should. Um, the other player, that there's four, four other teams with confirmed cases. Vitor de Guimarães, Famalicão, Moreirense, and Benfica obviously being the fourth. 
I don't know if those other three teams have announced the player. I know that Befica for a fact came out and said, we felt that we should have announced the name of the player for transparency's sake. So if the other players weren't announced, um, then it kind of makes sense that Befica is now saying, oh, we wanted to be transparent uh, with, the, with the name of the player that was, uh, that was infected. Um, so, but we'll just have to see how that plays out. But so far, no other cases uh, at Benfica. Um, there are B team players on standby, and I'll, I'll go through the list. João Ferreira, Letra, uh, he's a he's a right back. Uh, Muratu, cen- center back. Pedro Alves, center back. Uh, Henri Henrique Jocou, he's a defensive midfield. Rafael Brito, he's an offensive a defensive midfield also. Paulo Bernard. Offensive midfielder, Thiago Dantes, offensive midfielder, Thiago Araújo, he's a winger, Gonçalo Ramos, forward. Uh, they were all tested um, for COVID. They all came back net uh, um, negative, but they are working just in case to be a backup in terms of if more players were to get infected, then these guys could step in. Also, um, the keeper uh, from the under-23 team, uh, Leo Kokubu. Kokubu, is that how you say it? Uh, Cristiano Leo Leo Kokubu, the he's half Jap- he's like Japanese, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, he's bald. That's all I know about him. <laughs> he's bald. He's going for Benfica. Yeah. Hey, like, um, there was a story about him on the bola yesterday. Benfica, yeah. Benfica, yeah. Cristiano, let me ask you about uh, these guys because the ball is also saying not only are these kids um, being set aside as as reserves, but it also signals. Uh, the fact that these kids sh- could be on the front line to make the jump. Obviously, yeah. there's a lot of them uh, to make that jump, but certainly uh, some of these guys are being looked at as guys with the potential to make the jump. Today. Yeah, and and you've heard that all along that you know some of these guys would make uh, would be a part of the, the the team making this you know spring tr- spring season. Uh, taking part in spring training with Benfica in the next off season before. This COVID thing even came into play. Obviously, Morato is a player that they brought in from Brazil with a lot of high aspirations for him. A guy that could possibly, uh, you know, be a part of the team going forward. Same thing. The guy João Ferreira. So much was talked about him over the past summer from Barcelona to Juventus. The guy was included in a deal. Was on his way to Turin for 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 Matias Pereira until the physical until he felt his physical and everything went down went downhill. So he stayed. I was surprised he hasn't gotten a chance. Uh, especially when Benfica had to go, you know, withstand the injuries of Andre Almeida. Uh, I was surprised that a kid like that didn't get a call up to the main squad. So a lot of these guys, the striker, I know he's been phenomenal, scoring tons of goals for the B team and, and the juniors. So a lot of these guys have made tons of news. Thiago Dantas has been uh, with the team, did preseason with them last year. Uh, so you know that at some point he was going to get another look. So, I mean, I'm not surprised by any of these guys. I know some of these names are not familiar to us, but, you know, this is what Fika does every year. They, they they pick out, they select six to eight new players every single year that they want to promote, try to get to the main squad or, or, or ready to play on the main squad anytime, any call, anytime anybody goes down. So, to me, this is just uh, usual uh, business for a club like Benfica who likes to promote from within. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. And it's encouraging for the kids, obviously, uh, to be able to recognize and to be to think that they're being counted on. Um, certainly a good move by Befica to have these players on on reserve in the event that something uh, does 
in fact, uh, happened. Um, there was also some conversation, and I, and I wanted to to get the, both of you guys uh, taken, and I could give my take also because Christian is always saying that uh, that I ask the questions, but I never answer the questions myself. I never give you guys. Um, there was kind of a, a, a rumor, uh, and obviously within that memo from the DGS, uh, there's a mention of stadiums, right? All stadiums need to have the proper conditions in order to be able to abide by these rules and regulations. And at one point, uh, there was a conversation uh, or there was a, a rumor uh, that only um, six stadiums were going to be used to play the rest of the games. Uh, that hasn't been confirmed by uh, by the league. As a matter of fact, I think that kind of been dispelled by the league. But Dragão, Luz, Alvalade, Pedreira, uh, Guimarães, and Bessa were the were the six stadiums that were uh, being looked at. Christian, what do you what do you think of that? I mean, so that means that. If Benfica plays a team up north, they would even they would either have to play Guimarães, uh, Dragão, Pedreiro, or Bessa. Uh, and by the same token, if Porto came down, uh, they might even play either in Alvalado or or Luz. What what do you think of that, man? Do you think that is a way to uh, restrict and contain? And it's much easier to to be able to control that uh, when it's only a limited number of stadiums. If their main goal is safety, and it is true that some of these stadiums in the first division don't have the capabilities to protect these guys, right? They don't have the ability to have everyone sheltered and, and, and make sure everyone is has enough space. You know, the whole thing about keeping everyone safe. Bro, to me, it, again, I, I think I've stated, I've said this comment countless times on, on, over the last four or five podcasts that we've done since this all started, which is, but that this is, you know, uncharted waters, right? They're going to have to do things that are not normal, that we're not all going to agree with. I know some people would have a problem with it, but again, when you make these tough decisions, when you're trying to acclimate and you're trying to fit everyone into, uh, you know, into a room that keeps everyone safe and you have to make these tough decisions, there's always going to be someone that is not pleased. Now, I know you probably expect me to come on here and rant about this, but like to me, it's it is what it is, man. Like, yeah. do what you have to do. Number one, most importantly, keep everyone from match officials, coaching staff, anyone involved coming to these games. You have to do what you have to do in order to keep them all safe. That's number one and most importantly. Number two, to me. Get the game ball. I want to see the 90 minutes. Make sure we play a game of football. I don't particularly care where it's at because, again, one, they're safe. And two, once they're safe, my worry's done. I want to now focus on the game. And if, if he has to play, whether it be other than a go, whether it be, it doesn't matter. It's inside four lines. Football is played inside four lines. Yeah. And that's yeah. what it's about. So I don't particularly care. It is what it is. It's going to be some type of decision some type of circumvention of whatever it look you gotta adapt you gotta adapt until things get back to normal they've certainly with no crowd you can't say well we you know we're we're playing outside our stadium it's a disadvantage as long as the the pitch has the right dimensions and the grass and is in good condition there's no crowd factor to play into it what do you think 
Yeah, they, I think uh, there's not going to be like a home field advantage for either one of the teams. Though I'm wondering if it has to do with infrastructure outside of the stadium. So uh, based on those uh, stadiums that you mentioned, it they seem to be all within bigger cities within Portugal. So I'm wondering if it has to do with hotel accommodations and whether or not they have the space to uh, accommodate these players instead of having to go to these these smaller um, smaller cities within Portugal. Because if I'm not mistaken, that memo, that league memo that was sent out, even the precautions have to go in detail uh, at the hotel rooms and the hotel rooms have to have so much space. And, and so maybe these these smaller cities don't have the hotel infrastructure for the, uh, the safety and the players. And that's why they want to limit it to uh, within these six uh, stadiums here. Yeah, uh, look, I'm I'm with you guys on that. Uh, limited number of stadiums, easier to control, no crowd. There's no such thing as a disadvantage in terms of of what crowd you're playing in front of, uh, and it's a lot easier to manage. The other thing that was mentioned also was that there was some stadiums in the center of of the country, uh, which were mentioned: Coimbra, Aveiro, Leiria, which, uh, in a way, that kind of limits how how far a team from the north has to to travel to play right if, especially if they come to play a, a team from the south i don't i don't know uh but those stadiums have been been talked about but i mean when you talk about the the stadium at leria the stadium at Coimbra, the stadium in in aveiro which are stadiums that albeit and I, I don't think the Leria one is even being used, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I vet, maybe, Cristiano, you could speak a little bit to that. I think by, like, by, like, the, the schools around there. And, the, and I think and, and the, that's the thing. The mosquitoes. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I mean, how can you bring back a stadium back to, back online when it's been somewhat abandoned? You still maintain it, Alfredo. Right. I, I look the one thing, and, and I shouldn't say this publicly because hopefully not a lot of people go ahead and do what I did. But I walked in with my camera and I walked into uh, Stadio Municipal Aveiro. There's no security. Kept walking, walking, see if I find somebody. Like an elevator. Oh, I'm in the locker. You saw the videos. I'm in the locker. He see me walking out. To, I'm on the field. Like. After like an hour of me being in there, like, oh, catch your fazaki. I'm like, oh, about oh, okay. And and then like kids started showing up and like they had a like a high school soccer game, whatever. So they still use it. They maintain the I mean, the state with the exception of security, the stadium was fine, Alfredo. And they still, you know, a couple years ago they play uh, Benfica Braga played the Super Tasa. They still try to they have to maintain their stadiums in case the Federação decides to go ahead and play one of their games. Um, you know, national teams don't just play at Alvalade and Dragão and, and, and the Luz. No, it's always good to have games in different parts of the country. So they maintain them. You know, is it fresh paint outside? No, no. The paint's kind of dried up already. But they still, the stadium and the grass, the grass is really nice. They still maintain it, Alfredo. So uh, at the end of the day, it's it costs a lot of money to maintain. Yeah, and you got to restaff. You got to restaff those places, also. Yeah. Well, apparently the security wasn't was wasn't a priority. <laughs> they were laid off. Non-essential. <laughs> it's not non-essential exactly. Yeah. So uh, I'll be curious to see how that develops. But certainly, I do understand the reasoning behind uh, having just those six stadiums and all the games being played there. Uh, and I know that we're we're not necessarily in the middle of winter and there's only 10 games to be played 
but what kind of pitch conditions are we going to find uh, as we enter the final stretch with three games left to go if we're always going to use these three stadiums? Okay, yeah. and I look. I, I think that it, well, it wasn't just those three stadiums. I think it was. I mean, three. six. But 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 even those. I think it, I think they just were making Municipalavero and Lady and Queen. But they were making those stadiums available. I don't think it was just going to be yeah. say we're going to play all. I think you're going to add the the I think they were going to try to keep the games all with close proximity to one another in the north. So, uh, I, I, look again. You you probably know more, but I this maybe I was just miss understood the 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 the, the, the news on it right the headline on it because i didn't click into it to be honest you know so it's about the headline uh but that being said look i i, I think they maintain it i think alfredo the portuguese league is is not you know in the upper echelon of leagues and the federation is not in the upper but they're not also all the way at the bottom. i still think that they're adequate enough to go ahead and and put forth with the exception of with the, the Stadio Jamor, right? When they play the Batatal over there. Yeah. That, that's the only one. That's the exception. I think they do that on purpose. But every other pitch, even in smaller stadiums, they, they do a good job. And the Federation would have uh, would have their top grass cutters over there, making sure that the grass would be in good condition. Now, I wanted to touch on something that I think should have been mentioned, and they've touched on hotels before. And you asked the question, Alfredo about the Bundesliga and, and everyone else looking up to it. And, 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 and for some reason, I didn't think about this, and I apologize. Once they've talked about the hotels, it brought back, it, it reminded me, which is the UFC held an event this past week in Jacksonville, Florida. And when Dave mentioned hotel, that's, I went back to, oh, snap, the UFC did that. And so I was listening to an interview uh, from a reporter that was at the event. They still had the media come in. They're all separated. They got the bus, the shuttle bus, everything. But things were very much different. They had a one single hotel just for staff, uh, for uh, fighters themselves, coaches. Like the hotel was vacant of anyone else. So when you talk about moving teams and trying to put them in a bubble in order to finish out the 10 games, as you mentioned, Alfredo, I, I think the UFC just showed that it could be done. Obviously, not to that to that huge scale. It would be having you know 18 teams, right? But they've shown uh that it could be done it could be done but they have to keep everyone up. but again the hotels are empty anyway because people are ordered to stay away people can't go anywhere so i, I think if they had to do that uh, again it calls for desperate measures right the whole thing about playing up getting it just it is what it is man if that's what they'd have to do to keep these guys in the bubble and to keep them safe to keep them from coming into contact with anyone that might may have uh the the, the virus and I, look, it is. I'd be okay with whatever decision they're making, as long as no one's losing their life. I'm, look, let's just let's trial and error, man. Let's go. Let's put forth the best competition we could put forth. Make sure everyone's okay, um, and let's get these ten games. And hopefully, man, at some point, the the medical authorities do find an answer for this, and we could kind of control this and get back to, to normal life. But until then, it is what it is, man. Yeah. No. Um, absolutely. So we'll just have to see how that uh, shakes out. Uh, a few more things before we go, just a couple uh, news bits and, and, and rumors. Uh, so Elton Late, who is uh, Boavista's goalkeeper, apparently uh, Benfica is very close to uh, signing uh, an agreement with uh, Boavista for 1.5 million euros uh, to sign uh, Elton Late, who is a Brazilian 29-year-old uh, goalkeeper, which means that uh, either Zloben or Zvilar are probably going to be on the way out. Uh, next season, if I would have stayed out on loan, I think, I think, well, yeah, 
I think both of them, well, at least one for sure, will be out on loan. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Svilar because I do think that he needs to take that next step. And I think he's matured. And you've seen that at first when he got down to the to the, to the the B team, he was moping around and kind of got into it. Now you could tell that he's, you know, he, he sees this with, with, with brighter eyes. He sees this as, a, as an opportunity for him to get back to one day in, in between the pipes with the main squad. So I, I do think that he most likely will be the goalkeeper going out on. But, you know, I won't be surprised if it's both of them. I won't be surprised if they both go out on because they're, they're both good young goalkeepers that still have uh, the future ahead of them. Um, and as we know, goalkeepers get better as they get older. So Yeah. Yeah, we curious to see, but it you know it's been gaining traction. So I'm pretty sure that that's uh, close to becoming a reality. And I was told, and I was told by some good people that uh, that Svilar is actually uh, you know looks at this as I said before as an opportunity. He's more receptive to it today than he was before. Yeah. Uh, people in his corner making the decisions were not fans of of this idea, and we're not fans of even entertaining the thought. And now. Those same people are, they're all receptive. Svilar himself is receptive. So this, and I got this from a good source. So again, I would not be surprised if it is, if it is Svilar that goes on alone. Yeah. The other one, uh, Florentino has been on AC Milan's radar, but that's, uh, that's been for a bit. Uh, Cristiano, I know that, uh, that in, Mil in, in Italy, you, you support Milan, AC Milan. Uh, you think that Florentino will be a good fit at AC Milan? Uh, especially if we get back Lucas Paqueta, let's go. I'll drive. I'll, I'll I'll get my ass to Lisbon and I'll drive. And I like Florentino, but I'll drive him to the airport if I get back a player to caliber Lucas Paqueta in return. I think Florentino will be a good addition to Rossoneri. It would take a little bit of time for him to adapt. But the one thing about, about Florentino and Gabriel and everybody else we talked about here on this podcast over the last couple of years, I, I, I do think. That Ruben, uh, Ruben, uh, that, 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 uh, uh, Lodge, Brun Lodge is holding him back. So I don't think we see that player with all that potential we saw years previous. I don't think we see that guy at Benfica. So I think he'd be, he'd be a good addition to, 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 to Milan, but I think it would take him a little bit of time to adapt. But within time, we all know there's a player there in Florentino and they're very excited. They like him a lot. And there's been a rumor that they could be he could be thrown into a deal to get Lucas Paqueta back, who I know Rui Costa was very much interested in before he left Flamengo for uh for, for Milan. So if we could get a player that caliber at Benfica, I mean for yo, listen, come here, come here, Florentino. Give you a hug. Thanks for everything you've done. But here's your ticket. Peace out. Go hang out with Rafael Leon and, and bring us back Lucas Paqueta because that is a difference maker. That is a guy that get to Benfica and make a huge difference. And we could still, he's young enough. Turn around three, four years and still get a nice, nice, uh, you know, couple of coins for him. So I would absolutely uh, be on board with that. Dave, your thoughts? Well, I'm also a Milan uh, supporter, but they've been in such a sh in shambles it's recently. Right. That dude, I've seen I, you with a Juventus jersey. What are you uh, talking about, dude? That's what? only because it was Ronaldo and I was at the uh, Juve, the Juventus oh, uh, game. Dave, Dave. But, um, Dave, 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 Rui Costa, nah, God forbid, I can't even believe I'm about to say it. But Rui Costa went to Porto, you're going to wear a Porto shirt? I mean, Dave, Dave, don't, let me find out you're wearing a Moxie shirt. Dave, a Porto shirt. Come on, Dave. You're one of those? I was like, like the in-laws, okay? <laughs> ah, okay, you get a little bit of a, come on, but even the in-laws. Dave, you know what that shows? That you would. 
That shows that you don't run your household. You gotta make an impression. You got no, I'm joking. Go ahead. I'm, look, I'm not a fan, Dave. I'm not a fan. I would look F Ronaldo. When he's got the Portuguese national team shirt, let's go, baby. But I'm a I'm a Milahara for the Vecchia Senor. Are you crazy? Never in a million years. Never. Never. Go ahead. Dave, Dave. I'll let you I'll let you finish. Yeah, Dave. Oh no, no, I was just gonna say Milan's in shambles, anyways. I don't think Florentino goes in there and, and fixes the team up but his style is 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 uh plays well with uh the city but milan uh, is not the same milan as old, of old yeah the uh the other name that was being talked about was uh Ruben Diaz with uh barca and city um expected or actually would with their eye on them but i wasn't the impression that cities won't be able to sign any players that or they're going to be out of the champions league how does that work Jenner? you probably know more than me they've uh they they've actually uh challenged the decision and it's going to the what it does whatever it's called so they're running their business as usual until they get that back that decision back from the supreme court um and then, you know, if, if they tell them that, look, you got to sit out two years and I guess they'll they'll cancel off or call off any any negotiations after players. But until then, I mean, they have to run their business as usual. They have to to go ahead and scout players. And at the end of the day, they can still sign them. And you know what? We can't bring them in. But look, stay up in Fika for two years, we'll be, which will be great. Paying his salary and we still keep them. We'll make the, 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 the absurd amount of money on them. Um, but, yeah, that's that's. That's why they're still running. Yeah, and, and then the other thing is that, uh, and I'll take this one, and I was going to ask you guys, but I could take this one. Um, with the fact that all clubs have lost money with this this whole thing, but if you get uh, as saying that they, they're going to lose at least 5 million uh, euros in terms of uh, gate receipts, corporate events, uh, the luxury boxes, Per game, I think that accounts for like a, a million in revenue. So they got five games left. It's five million. But how much will each team's buying power be affected? I think they will. Christina, do you think that they will suffer and they won't have the buying power uh, that they usually have? Or do you think that sponsors are going to rally around them and they're going to provide them with the right amount of capital to invest? I think I think it will affect. I think it will affect the transfer market. But again, I think it will affect it on both ends. I think teams won't have as much money to spend, but I do think that players' value will drop as well. So it's kind of like paying Peter to what is it, Robin Peter to pay Paul or whatever it's called. It's one of those. I mean, you're going to get less, but the player is going to be worth less. So it, yeah, at the end of the day, it's all going to be the same. And we see it. We see it all the time. Not even within the soccer market, but in regular markets, we always see market corrections. But this is the first time in the sports industry that we're seeing market corrections. All these uh, players were going for these record high transfer um, fees, and this is a market correction that uh, it'll bring players. Like we said, it won't be. Uh, you won't be getting as much. To buy the player, and you're not going to get as much uh, to sell the player. It's a market correction for the first time. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Dave's in finance, and he knows all about that. That's Dave, good, man. Now, there's there's a rumor. I'm surprised. I was waiting for you to say this one. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this one. So, I'm afraid I'm going to go to Dave. Dave, rumor. If he can reject or just got another offer <laughs> for, for Vinicius for $60 million. I heard that, too. I mean, Dave, Dave, give him man, the man United. Yeah. Okay. 60 million for Vinicius. Okay. Uh, Dave, give, give us your opinion. 
if it's 60 million, like you said, fly him to the airport tomorrow and pack his bags himself for 60 million, especially how the uh, there's going to be a market correction. I, I don't I don't see a 60 million dollar uh, player there for yeah. him. Uh, great, great player. He scored those goals for us when we needed them uh, at the beginning of the season. But uh, I don't see a 60 million dollar player there. I, I don't even know if he's worth 30, to be honest with you. Uh, but uh, that yeah, the thing we make up these things and like you know, let's let's draw up interest in our players like sixty million. It was just like my boy Bruno Barella was leaving for what twenty, twenty man. Like maybe uh, maybe uh, United uh, asked, yeah, what's what's the going price? I mean, if he could said sixty million, maybe that's where it was. Okay, well, that, uh, I could go for that. Yeah, but, that, but I definitely think that this uh, offseason, you won't see any players going past 80 million, as they've mentioned, the market correction, uh, the low finances for each of the clubs, also clubs looking to make money. So they're they're probably m much more hesitant in raising the price of the player because they need that revenue. Uh, as Xiano uh, mentioned, that cl clubs need money. Uh, and some guys will have uh, some power to buy stuff, buy players. But uh, other than that, I, I think that we're 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 not going to see a, a hundred million buy uh, in a while, like we've seen in the past few years. I, I read something a while ago now. Um, Roman Inga, I can't I can't pronounce his name. He's one of the directors from the Bayern Munich. Romaninga, um, yeah, Romaninga. He said. Uh, he said a while back, this is Carl Heinz. Carl Heinz Romania, yeah, tremendous player, German national team, Bayern. He's, he's now basically like the GM. He's one of the decision makers over at Bayern Munich. I read something, can't, I don't know if it was a month, month and a half ago, whatever. But when this started coming down, the whole COVID thing, he said that the days of $100 million players are long gone. That's it. We're never going to see those again. I mean, for a long time, he said. He said he just doesn't think clubs will be able to afford um, those types of transfers going forward. Now, the bubble burst. Do I think it's it's premature for him to say that? Yeah, but again, he's he's in there. He knows what he's talking about. Um, I do think that guys. I mean, you can't tell me Mbappe is not going to go for a hundred million. That's kind of crazy. But you know, he's an expert, and that's what he does. But he said that he's those deals aren't going to go through in the future. So we'll see what happens. Like Dave said, market corrections. It's a good thing in a way. I mean, look, we don't want to go through this, but football was getting kind of crazy. You're talking about sixty million for a guy like Vinicius, which is which is nuts. We talked about. I talked about it on Twitter. That, you know, obviously this rumor with Lacudimos with Newcastle being interested. And I said, for the right amount of, you know, for the right price, I'd sell them. And people are telling me, oh, nothing less than 60 million. Like, that put them like number two all time or the, the number three, like top three transfers of all time for a goal. And the guy, he's not, oh, but he's, he's you know, Benfica sells cheap. And uh, that it doesn't matter what Benfica sells. I mean, this is a guy that for 25 to 30, I mean, even then, I think that's a lot of money. I'd be okay with it, but obviously Benfica would have to, to bring in an, an adequate replacement. But uh, it's just 60 mil. I mean, people are getting carried away with these numbers. So like Dave said, market correction. And, and it, you know what? I welcome it. Did it, I think it came out that Sporting had told United that they would have sold him for twenty million if they hadn't sold Bruno Fernandes when they did. They would have taken twenty million for him at like at this current state of of COVID. That's oh, how much. That's how much money they they need. Yeah, but Dave, as I mentioned before, with the exception of Benfica, right? Our rivals are are they're in desperate need, man. Yeah, think through that. They're they're yeah. in desperate need. They need every penny they could get, and this is yeah. and again. 
we shouldn't be worried. We shouldn't care. We shouldn't have any empathy for our rivals, right? But the, 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 the league, the president, whatever, the guys making these decisions, they have to take into account that we could very well come out of this six months from now with Sporting basically being Sportivo Dobbs and Porto not. You know what I mean? Like, these are the – Portuguese football could go by the wayside. I mean, those other teams, the smaller clubs, forget about it. They'll be gone. Yeah. Porto, I mean, Porto, Porto's got a, a $70 million payment that they have to do back coming up. Where are they going to get these money? I mean, they're going to have to sell off their whole team. And it's just – it's 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 crazy what's going on in football. So, again, somebody's not going to be happy by the decision to play, but there's a lot at stake. And, look, and if athletes and people aren't dying, I think they're going to run. They're going to do what they have to do because that's a risk they're willing to take. As long as nobody's dying from it, people get sick all the time. It is what it is. That's the way they're looking at it. Yeah. I think that, yeah, the definitely you, you mentioned uh, Porto, and I know this is a Bifica podcast, but uh, Porto, yeah, with the financial fair play, there's a, a large sum payment that they have to, to make in order to uh, abide by that financial fair play. Uh, and now you're talking about a team that uh, may not go directly to the Champions League. If they, if, if they don't win the Portuguese League, obviously they're not going to go directly, but... Well, uh, not even be suspended for they, they let's say you're right let's say all of a sudden they don't meet the obligations let's say all these, these these players test positive man god forbid and they're like they make the decision next week look man this is too much at risk we're or like something happens in the Bundesliga, league and it's just like bro this is look it didn't go well we're not going to go forward with it and they just anoint Porto. they said Porto's in first place and look rightfully so hate it or not they're in first place right by a point a point is a point they're in first place they're champions UEFA might step in and still say they're suspended for the next two years and Porto might So now, whoever's that fight between Porto, I mean, Sporting and Braga, that's why Sporting wants to get into it because not only does it help them financially, but they they they're tr- they hope now with the new coach, right, that they got from Braga, they're hoping that they're able to overtake Braga in the standings by the final of these 10 games, that if when it happens, oh, oh, if oh, it oh, happens, Yes, Sporting. If Porto does get sanctioned and Porto can't partake in the European competition for the next two years, Benfica will take their spot. And the third place team now being Sporting will take that chance. So that's why it's important to them as well, because financial in terms of today, but financial in terms of Champions League and in the future, there's a lot of money at stake. So uh, this this is a different it's a different ball. Game. Yeah, it's a different game outside than, than what it is inside the four lines right it's, now. It's a different world, and and yeah, Cristiano mentioned the, the Sporting example. Don't forget that Sporting paid or, or was going to pay fifteen million for Ruben Amorim. Yeah, it was ten mil, and then the late payment kicked in another two mil, right? <laughs> and like, and now they now they don't pay. They don't pay nobody. They don't that, pay. That, that, <laughs> deferral payment <laughs> options on him. Yeah, they're like. There, I mean, look, there's a lot of team with dire situations, so a lot of people desperate. But uh, anyway, um, anyway, that that is all that uh, we have for you this week. We'll be back next week with some more uh, talk. Hopefully, we were entertaining enough. Uh, and I know that some of this this COVID could could become a little bit overwhelming at times and boring, also because of the just the factual and it's not sport. Uh, but uh, you know, it's today's world. Um, let me just uh, really mention something, and, and I know that I don't mention this uh, often as I should, uh, but our podcast is is part of the Befica Independent uh, Network, and albeit we we are actually one of the founding members of the Benfica Independent, and and those guys have done uh, an incredible job uh, throughout this quarantine to make sure they brought us co- co- uh, content, uh, Sergio. Uh, and Gracia, also known as Yoko, on Twitter, 
um, and a, a few other guys, João Gonçalves, uh, Tiago Marques, um, um, Picado, Felipe Inglês, uh, a couple of other guys. Yeah, João, João Nuno, Ricardo Antunes. Ricardo, so that they've, they've done stuff with uh, the modalidade. So it wasn't just football. They've done, they've, you've, you've had a bunch of guys involved yeah. who've done a tremendous job. Yeah, so so big uh, big shout out to those guys who uh, who put in the time and and I know that through this time there's often uh, things that are a little bit more important but they put in the time to uh, and contacted these players both old glorious and also guys from the modalidades from from old times that are that are legends within the modalidades world uh, and definitely check that out. I would recommend the the podcast with Moser, the podcast with Isaías. Uh, they're all available on um, on SoundCloud or wherever you can find your podcasts. Ricardo uh, Gomes, Ricardo Gomes Paneira, Aldeir, Valdo. I mean, these are all guys that Cristiano and I grew up watching play. Uh, so all legends in 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 our in our minds. Uh, and it was it was it's great to listen to the stories from these guys in terms of what Benfica was, what made up the Mística. Uh, you know, and when you hear these guys talk and give their testimony in terms of what they felt when they were at the club, what they felt from the stands, what they felt when they went into stadiums, uh, it, it, it was really something that resonated to me as a Benficista uh, because uh, back then was not if Benfica is going to win, was how much is Benfica going to win by? Uh, and these days, we're, you know, we're struggling against the motorists of the world and this and that. That's not the Benfica that I grew up with. So it was great to be able to listen to those guys and to be able to absorb some of the mystica that those guys picked up as they were playing for the club and as the years they spent at, at the club. Uh, so it was great. Definitely check that out. You have some time in your hands. I pop that in your, in your phone, put on the headphones and just listen. And, and the Moser one, is really, really funny. Um, Vitor Paneira, Diamantine, Carlos Manuel, uh, Aldeir, Valdo, as I mentioned, he's a Yish. Uh, you know, great, great stuff. Miguel Villarinho, pa, the former yeah. president. And uh, yeah, that was the very last one they did was with uh, Villarinho. And Villarinho was the president that ran against Valles Vid, uh, which dethroned him and really put Benfica back on the right track and it was it's been a long since that recovery but he was the man they operated the turnaround he was also the guy that uh because he had a promise before even Mourinho got to Benfica that his coach was Tony uh when he came in if he, he let go of Mourinho because his promise was to uh, Tony but he mentioned on a podcast that his decision had been made even before Mourinho uh, had reached uh, had reached Benfica he then tried to go grab uh, uh, Mourinho when Mourinho was at Leiria before he went to Football Club Report but he was already uh, he was already uh, at an agreement with Football Club Report yeah. But, uh, I mean, great stuff. Go in and listen to those podcasts, man. And if you want a lesson of Mishtika, yeah. definitely uh, do that. Follow Yoko on Twitter. I mean, that is the hardest working man in the business. I don't care what business, but he's the hardest working man in the business. The guy is everywhere. The guy is everywhere. Every time I go on Twitter, he's doing a new show. I mean, the guy is a phenomenal hard worker. He does a tremendous job. Him and the colleagues, we, Alfredo and I, have 
something that we bring into the Benfica Dependence outside of the Benfica podcast, of course, which is time added on. We'll get back to that. Right now, there is no time with the COVID. <laughs> But once once the games start back up, we'll we'll give you back that little show. We had a little fun doing that 15-minute segment, which is tremendous. And hopefully you guys will like it. So whether you want to listen to Benfica Podcast, Benfica FM, Obrinco, all these terrific, terrific podcasts that Alfredo just talked about independently, whatever you want to do, you could subscribe to Patreon. Please do so. You have an exclusive, I believe it's, what is it, five bucks, Alfredo? Two yeah. bucks. Two bucks, you get to hear me. All right, two bucks is like, ah, oh, two bucks I get to hear Christian. Five bucks, you get Yoko in every platform. The guy's ever, you get Yoko, you get Juan Gosai, you get, you get the whole bunch. You get a Kaneka from, from, from uh, Picado Gate. I mean, there is so much there to be had. So if you guys do enjoy what we do, um, obviously in English, those guys do it in Portuguese. We have some German, uh, Marcus Horn, who writes in German. We have yeah, our French, Stephanie French. I mean, guys, we're doing it all at Benfica, uh, Benfica Independent. So, Subscribe. Two bucks is nothing. Five bucks. Okay, maybe it's two cups of coffee, right? Tim Hortons in Canada for our good friend Dave, right? Which is Starbucks is the way to go. But Starbucks is really like six bucks. Or think about it, you pay more for one cup than you do to listen to all these great Benficistas. Do yourself the service. Subscribe. Do a great job. Support us all. We appreciate. Go on YouTube. Like us all. Like us all. Even if you don't like us, just like us anyway, because you like Benfica, right? We all have one thing in common, which is Benfica. Like everything about us. Benfica, we appreciate it. And maybe, maybe, just maybe one day you'll get a t-shirt or a mug. <laughs> I know that if you're a $5 subscriber at uh, Benfica Pendent, you do get that uh, that mug. Uh, anyway. Listen, uh, it'll show up at your doorstep, but no promise it won't be cracked. <laughs> but it'll show up at your doorstep. Noon Picadens to do a better better job of wrapping them. But you'll get it. You'll get it for and, sure. This might be broken. And I promise it'll be a lot cheaper than ordering from the official Benfica store at Stade de Luz. Um, anyway, at 10 co 10 is where you can find Cristiano on Twitter. At DO87DO. The other way. 87 no, 87. <laughs> and at Benfica Podcast uh, is where you can find us all. Uh, it's been a while, guys. I uh, hope everybody's staying safe. Make sure you wash your hands. Uh Take the necessary precautions uh, that you feel safe. Um, that's all we can we could wish for at this point. Talk to you again next week. See you, everyone.